Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on the Focus on Why podcast, I am joined by Carolina Adamczyk. Welcome. Thank you, Amy. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Now, you are the chief visionary offer for Ajahn Chic. Have I said that right? How do you say it? Uh, chief visionary officer. No, the the set the actual company name. Oh, Adam Chic. <laughs> Adam Chic. Yes. Because so, your name is Ajahn Chic. The company is Adam Chic, but they're spelt very differently. Why is that? It's impossible to spell my surname, C-Z-Y-K. It's just such a crazy way to spell it. Um, it we've made it much easier with C-H-I-C. And why change it to E-M from A-M? I uh, just wanted it to be slightly different. Um, so I was just brainstorming with a friend of mine and she said, why, well, why, while you're changing the bit at the end, why don't you change the bit at the front? And then for the next year, I could not spell my surname because I could not remember which one it is. There's just spellings and, you know, put, doing so many documents, writing both of them. And I just got so confused. So, yeah, I actually, I'm happy that, uh, that I've changed, changed it slightly. So what do you do? So we help developers create beautiful homes for um, people that buy it. Um, so either first-time buyer or downsizers. Um, anybody who wants to move into a boutique chic uh, home. Uh, and then we also package all of the marketing materials so that, uh, you know, whoever wants to uh, buy something and they see the brochure or CGIs, they, they see that vision for their new home. Uh, we create that with our marketing. So we take all of the design bits from the development process. Uh, we take care of that. And every project different. Every project is different and it's just super exciting to create, you know, and, and also it, that's, that's not only because of location or buyer that is, uh, that is buying, uh, you know, each of the individual projects. It's just because we want to have some fun and repeating the same thing on every single project is so boring. So, yeah, even though sometimes we, we work with repeat clients and some of our clients just want to say, can you do the thing we've done in uh, 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 uh. And we're like, yeah, 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 we can do. And then we do something completely different because we, we just go off the rail and we create that, another stunning home. So why, why create a new identity for every development? Um, I think people want to live somewhere that's different. And, uh, uh, and I have always done that. I come in and the first thing I think about, and that excites me big time to think about how you can add value and change the space I'm in. And we want guys who don't want to go through all of the refurbishment process, which is, you know, it's not that much fun. Uh, we just want them to move into something that doesn't look like the house builder next door. Uh, that looks like individual, uh, individually designed home that just completely feels like them. And, you know, sometimes we, we will not... Um, probably relate to the whole of the market and the projects that are Adam Chic designed will be more expensive because of that. They are boutique. 
um, the developers would put so much effort to creating those really nice homes. And so, yeah, I think that those few buyers who are looking for the design, the style, the, the differentiation, they, they would fall in love with them. And they have. So when you go on to a new project, you, you're creating that vision and it's easy for you. You, you. you literally see the end piece straight away. I can, yeah. You can see it in your eyes when you're, yeah. when, you, when you're sort of talking about something just now. My voice. Yeah. Yeah. And so how do you get that onto paper or onto computer? We do a lot of photorealistic visualization because I think people don't immediately know, even when we explain it or show them some images from Pinterest or whatever, the our clients and the contractors don't know what we're looking for. So the way to really control the impact and you know to get exactly the product that we want. We design it in tools that that just gives us this photorealistic effect. And we're like, this is exactly what we want. Like, these are the colors. These are the handles. And these are all the items we work with uh, a lot with uh, suppliers and to make sure that that we specify every single bit of the development. And that goes back to my um, uh, control freakness, I think. Um, and, And, you know, there's just making sure that every detail, that there is no... Uh, space for interpretation, which happens so often on construction sites. You know, when we give people the drawings with correct items in it, technical drawings and the design pack, specification down to a skeleton board, like there is no interpretation there. They have to deliver what we've designed. So when you're working with a developer and you're working with them quite early on in the process, you're controlling, as you say, the impact. And how difficult is that conversation to have with a developer to sort of get them on board that you know that this is going to work? Um, I think they trust us and we the name is quite known right now in the in our little boutique industry so I think they trust us with the designs and to be honest most of our, most of the time when we prepare the first design concept we are showing it to the client and they go like wow you know like they're they're really wowed by it and and we need to be wowed by it in the office as well so it will not go out to anyone unless I'm happy with it which causes a lot of disruption to be honest, because there, you know, there, when there's eight people designing there and I only have limited amount of time and then I come in and veto something and they have to go back to the drawing board. They try to involve me on all hours of the day right now. So I just get Slack messages all the time. Like, what do you think about that? Do you like that? Do this like this? So that it doesn't get stopped at some, pro, at some point in the future. And interestingly, I was just reading a book about Steve Jobs and about how what a perfectionist he was and how he would stop the whole design process uh, because he didn't like a button on the new, you know, new really released Mac. And I just feel so much better now <laughs> that I read it that, uh, you know, there is another level. I'm, I'm probably not at that level, but I very often will say, no, guys, I mean, that cannot go to client because it needs a LED light here and, and needs something extra here, etc. But having that sort of eye for detail and and that control freakedness, as you call it, it makes it makes so much of a difference because you want everything to be absolutely spot on. Yeah, and it, you know what? It never will because it's construction, uh, and and at some point there will be some something that either you don't have that 
tampon style uh, um, tile anymore, or you know something will happen and it will not be hundred percent there. But if it's ninety something percent there, then we're really happy. And have you always been in construction? No, this is just a recent thing. So I've um, I've got the bug for property. I think I was always doing my own places up, and even at uni when I would rent the worst. Uh, house that you would never like dare to go into but then my room would be like immaculately painted and replastered and god knows what and and for me that made all the sense because you pay so much less on rental per month but then the effort that you need is like maybe you know a couple of weeks of effort and then you live in that place for a couple of years and it's beautiful so I've just continued doing this I've done my own projects I've done a crowdfunding campaign at some point uh, through which I got a, a bunch of friends who are even in our network right now. Um, so yeah, I, I think I just got the back and I left banking where I was before uh, to pursue the bit that I enjoy the most. And I actually call the inter- interior design, I call uh, instant gratification because once you've done the development process and you know done everything from funding and getting your loans together, uh, dealing with investors and then coming out, dealing with contractors, you know, when you only have to do the bit that, I, that you love, it's like, oh, it's beautiful. Um, so yeah, the, the, we appreciate our clients, developers, because I've done it and I know that that's not the easiest of jobs. And uh, so yeah, but at the moment it's just instant gratification. We prepare a project, we present it to the client, give them a pack and we move on and we do the same beautiful design on the next one. So how does banking fit into the, the picture? Because that's quite a departure to what you're doing now. Totally. It is a departure, and um, so I've I never really had a plan for life on I'm going to be a banker or I'm going to be this or that. I just I just always kind of went with the flow, the direction that I wanted to pursue, the next logical crazy move that I could make, which actually led me to like live in Poland in the middle of my studies to study in Belgium, then staying in Belgium for way longer than I planned. Rather than half a year, I stayed there two and a half years. I finished my degree there. Then I got a job, which turned out to be in Holland. I mean, it, it was in Belgium, but ultimately they've, they've pro- proposed that I move to Holland for it. I got a job, job here in the UK, then in the US, then I came back here. And it's like every opportunity that comes my way, it's never planned, but when it appears, I'm, I get really excited about it. And I and I pursue it. So banking just happens to be one of the opportunities that came at some point. Uh, I got into financial services. I've worked for a company, a Dutch a Dutch company, part of a bank for almost uh, seven and a half years, and travelled with them everywhere. I had an amazing career with them, and then I just went on and did a couple of years in a major UK bank. And from but but you know I think the whole journey is actually. It takes, it's a journey of like reinventing yourself all the time because when you move countries, you're basically losing the life you've had. Even though you're, you know, you might be on a WhatsApp with your friends or your family, ultimately these relationships are slowly like deteriorating, I guess, uh, when you are building or your, your new life in a new country. And I find that really exciting. I really love it. Um, 
Uh, so I think, you know, the, this reinvention going from all these countries and different jobs and then ultimately four years ago, three years ago, going from a different career, which is a huge step, you know, like you lose the ground from off underneath your feet. That's how I would describe it, because initially you have a great job. You've built your career for, for me for 10 years to get to that level, you know, quite, quite a high level within the banking environment and then to drop all of that and have no income, have to start building the team for myself and look for clients in a completely new industry. It's not something that I've done. It's just building from scratch. And that was really, really interesting. And what gave you the confidence to jeopardize that career, that stability to start something from scratch? I think, you know, there is not one thing that can give you such confidence because so many, um, I think, I think it's always really scary. You know, that there is the fear of what if it doesn't, uh, what if it doesn't happen or it doesn't end well. I'm just going to spend all the money that I don't have at the, at the time. I, I didn't really have so much financial backing. But I just decided that, you know, I've been loving this, doing this. I've, I love it. And if and it's almost like I don't have kids, but I think it's like having kids, like there is never a good time to do it. So changing your career and giving away everything that you have that you've built until now is is one of those crazy moves. Like there is never a good time. Um, so I just came to that realization. I've done I'm doing a lot of um, self-development work. Uh, I've been working through with the life coach at the time, really trying to figure out what I love to do and how I could do, do more of that. Um, I've been following Tony Robbins, who I love, uh, and going on his events and just every time deciding that, okay, do you know what? I'm just going to take the next step and the next step and the next step. And one of these steps was change careers. And, you know, and there is no good time and you can only do it with support of so many people and so many influential, I guess, people who also like tell you to just trust your gut. And I like the the, the sort of way you describe it. You you talk about the next logical crazy move. I mean, it's, it's quite a juxtaposition between those <laughs> two words, logical <laughs> and crazy. Is that that just kind of describes you, though? Totally. Maybe. Maybe it does describe me because I think what I mean by crazy is something that maybe normal people would would consider a little bit risky but um at the but the way i add logical to it is that it's not completely you know i have a plan ultimately i'm not quitting a job for nothing in most of the uh, cases when i was moving countries i already had something lined up to go there um so i guess just the, and the last and the last one actually when i did um with my uh, career, I had uh, three clients who were my best friends <laughs> really lined up to go straight into. What I didn't know at the time is that you constantly have to work on your pipeline. You know, it's not just like, these three clients automatically then populate into a number of clients. You do have to, uh, especially very early on, work simultaneously on your pipeline and on the deals that you're doing at the same uh, at the time so i guess it just followed like a fairly miserable year but um, it would be a year miserable from the financial perspective but 100% not the other life fulfillment perspective because i was just so happy getting up and just doing what i wanted to do like all the rest didn't matter for me at all and um, I, I just, at the moment, you know, going, haven't gone through 
this setting up business and really every week reinventing the business because that's what it is once you are an owner, business owner, and then you have a bigger team and a bigger team and a bigger team. Disruption, I would maybe call it, uh, you know, disruption and reinvention. Um, so, so I think, you know, that, that sort of thing just, just teaches you that you do have to be happy regardless of whatever happens, you know, just follow, follow the plan, never give up because there is a better thing just, uh, just on the, around the corner. And where does all this drive come from? Um, so it's really funny that that's the question that just got stuck with me since we spoke a couple of, um, weeks ago and, um, and I was thinking about it quite a bit. And the reason why I probably initially, when we were chatting, I didn't, I didn't mention it initially, is because I, I believe in not never looking back. That's like, um, you know, like pe- people get so stuck in the history and their story and, you know, something that happened 20 years ago. And maybe because I'm so into Tony Robbins, who constantly repeats that you you invent your own journey, right? The, the journey that has happened doesn't define you. And then I never actually think about where that sort of drive and and how that all happened. But then the, the our friends challenged us to think about our backstories and <laughs> it all came out. And um, I think the drive comes from um, spending my childhood in a place that's really doesn't have any opportunities um, and being conditioned by my family to search for opportunities and actually conditioned to search for them abroad as well because uh, you know I've, I've been born in Poland who at the time in the early 80s there was nothing in shops you had to wait in queues for bread and you couldn't buy anything really like even a toy in a shop like there, there was just nothing and when I was, um, so, so it's no, you know, my parents wanted to give me and my sister the most opportunities so that we get out of this a hall or where, so a place where they felt stuck when, when they were, you know, younger. Um, and when we um, finally were allowed in 1990, when the border opened, uh, they packed us up in a car, they drove us to Italy for two weeks, and we went every single year after that. But you know, I can't even describe the shock of seeing um, how much people have from from not from seeing nothing really. You know, like you would get one teddy bear every Christmas, and that teddy bear, my parents had to save up dollars to buy it in this one shop was selling stuff for dollars. Um, uh, but and and then to go to a place where everything is available, I just remember this shock a shock of walking on a market like you know the uh, street markets as a kid and I was probably seven or something like that and just not understanding how there is so much stuff here and I think that's you know that that sort of um, that um, shock of seeing there there is so much more to the world than the emptiness of Polish shelves earlier in my life um, plus the constant conditioning of you can have you can do whatever you want to do, which is you know it only I could be only thankful to my parents for constantly telling me and my sister that that you know opportunities are endless uh, and go and search for them. That's I think what um, started the drive and then I just fueled it. And you could say that you know it's it's kind of the drive is 
is coming from a negative place, which I don't actually feel that way. You know, when I think about it, I guess it's not the most positive story. You know, it's just coming from a place of no, no opportunities, really tiny village that, that no one ever goes to university or whatever. They don't go abroad unless they are cleaning houses. And actually a lot of uh, a lot of people in my village probably still consider and believe that I am cleaning houses here. <laughs> you know, but um, I, I think I think just that sort of thing, just not coming from a negative place, just just gives you a lot of drive and you want to see what's next and you want to challenge yourself and just, yeah, just I, I guess figure out your where the where the next big thing is. So having that vision from an early age of seeing the opportunities and then thinking it must have been sort of like, well, the world is literally my oyster. I can do whatever I want. Hence the traveling, yeah. the, the, the creation, the, the, the vision. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. It was, it was really interesting, you know, just, just seeing it as a little baby, I think, because you, it's such a black and white world, you know, like you leave, a, a certain place and then suddenly you end up like almost like in a movie uh walking the streets that you've never seen anything like it and it's uh it's really credit to my parents for challenging me and my sister and themselves you know like we didn't we weren't a family that had money but they would always every year like uh, save up enough so that we could have these two weeks in a different place somewhere in Italy they loved Italy um, and just uh, get, I guess, we got such buzz from it. And it just felt like, you know, that, that nothing is stopping us from having that in our lives, uh, which I guess many kids might, um, that grew up uh, at the same time in the same some small village somewhere, that they wouldn't feel that they have an option. That wouldn't feel like an option to them. I think I'd never think about this as a as a story because it no longer defines me like I define myself and I set my future that's what I focus on but I guess you know like if I had to think I was challenged to think about my why and about my backstory and I think that that's where a lot of drive comes from. And how does it influence your decisions of, of recruiting people on your team? Oh that's a very interesting question. Um, I don't think it has to do with uh, recruitment per se, like uh, my upbringing uh, or, or where I come from. I do love hiring Polish people because I because I'm really direct, and <laughs> sometimes and sometimes it's really hard to say something. I, I don't have so much time and and focus, I guess, to explain something in a different way so I will always be very direct and not everybody appreciates that so uh, I think historically my team had quite a few Polish people in it but I just I found uh, I found a way something that works for us because we're a small business we're really driven we're only one A players you know like B plus is not good enough um, and I think for for us it's really uh, the person that worked in a small business before understands that you have to do everything there is no such thing like oh that's not, not my job um, and has some sort of different motivation very often so you know they come to this country and they're looking for the first job or they came a, a while back and they didn't quite find what they want to or they want to change careers 
that additional motivation that just makes that I, I could feel that they would love to do this job. I think it's more important that the drive than, you know, to just whoever has the best CV. I'd, I'd much rather take someone who has this extra motivation because they want to do what they love than to take someone who has the same experience we need in 10 different large companies. Can you talk about how you are climbing the ladder in your career? Mm-hmm. How, how fulfilled do you feel now with your business versus the time in your career and your banking? Ah, uh, That's very interesting. And, you know, I was thinking about that. And I think I feel I felt always felt very fulfilled. And it's maybe scary, you know, like happiness comes within you, right? No, no, no external circumstances can influence it. Um, so, uh, so if you're poor, if you're rich, if you're in a place where, you know, like you, you don't see any opportunities, you can still be happy. That's, I, I believe that hundred percent. So I think I was really happy working in uh, all of the jobs I had because my fulfillment came from doing the job right. That's, that's what was really important for me. There is a different sort of fulfillment at the moment, which uh, I, I think one thing that I didn't enjoy is sitting at my desk every day. And there were days when I was just sitting there going in my head, like I will explode in a second. I can't sit here anymore because I am very much a person who loves moving and doing different things. And, you know, when you're in a job, you do have some flexibility, but not 100%. And so some of my managers thought, wanted to kill me at in different times when I decided to do projects I enjoy but um but yeah but I think ultimately the the problem was that you don't have the freedom you know you can still be really fulfilled from your job but you do have to um, follow some rules which I have a problem with (laughs) generally uh, I'd rather not follow rules yeah I'd rather set my own rules so talking about rules do you almost perceive what you're doing now a bit like a game? It's it's fun. It's there's lots of elements. There's lots of moving pieces to it. Uh, do you know it's, it's an interesting question. I don't know what I perceive it as. I think I perceive it as um, I always perceive everything in my life the same as a development opportunity. You know, and and if something hasn't quite happened like I wanted today, the the thought is how could this be improved and why it didn't quite happen like I wanted it um, and I discuss it I hope my team would say that I mentor them uh, that way uh, quite a bit you know after a call this is how you should have said it this is what what would work better and so I think you know it's just waking up to the day seeing what it brings and then very often I go completely off the rail from what I planned that day because the team needs so um, so much attention um, that um, I, I get like 10% of my to-do list done, uh, but it's always different and I love it. I love that. And how much fun do you have in your day or is it all serious? I am very serious, as you know, Amy. <laughs> so yes, I can be very serious. Uh, business is serious, professional. I think, I think having fun is actually one of my big goals. Just being a little bit more relaxed and taking some time off now and then because... I guess when you do what you love, you get stuck in it and you sit there and you're like, uh, you just want to do more and more and more and more of that. But what I always forget is that there is a thing called personal life, 
personal life. Yes, sorry, I could not even pronounce it like <laughs> personal life. Um, uh, and because I'm doing what I love in my professional life, it almost feels like, well, I've had enough fun, you know, like I don't have to go out after this. I've just had eight hours of doing cool projects, you know, overseeing people, chatting about would this handle work better than the other handle or is that branding nicer than the other branding colors we're coming up with. I think that's there's so much fun in that. Do you ever switch off? Uh, switching off I, uh, is easy. Yeah, I do, actually. But it was it's not a natural, um, I think, especially for women, it's not a natural thing to do because we're always like, oh, I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to do that. So I, I consciously decided that I'm going to learn it as a skill and I have. So it's possible, ladies, if you're listening, it's possible uh, to just compare compartmentalize compartmentalize oh, I don't know. compartmentalize 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 so that you close that door when you leave the office i just consider okay this is my last email i will not look at my emails anymore i switched all notifications off on my phone so people can call me or text me those are the only two things and slack me but that's only my on only my team those are the only three ways to get in touch with me when i want to you know, when I'm not looking at my phone and I'm not looking at my phone a lot of the time. Um, so, uh, which is hard because my friends, they all use WhatsApp or Messenger. And sometimes I don't respond for three weeks and then suddenly show up like you you might have experienced that uh, a few times. So, but but that really works for me because that allows me to have the downtime when I don't, you know, I don't feel like I have to be uh, looking at my phone, I just com- or looking at my computer, I just watch a movie, and and that's fine. And you do have to learn that skill if you're making decisions all day. If you have decision fatigue uh, at 10 a.m., and uh, you know everybody just requires your constant attention. There needs to be balance. And you talked about hiring a, a life coach to help find what you love doing, and you talk about Tony Robbins. What impact has sort of coaching and personal development had on your life? It's it's had it's changed it completely um, because I think we very often we are stuck in our heads and some things we you know we allow ourselves to do some things we don't allow ourselves to do there is a lot of limiting beliefs and I have an amazing group of friends when we just go limiting belief ah! you know like <laughs> when we hear someone speak uh, something that is might not be entirely true then we really shout out uh, so that they can improve as well. Um, and and for me, just being able to run these thoughts in my head, which are not, uh, they are not objective, you know, like the, the, I came up with these, I've been programmed to think that at some point in my life, and they might not be true, but I am thinking them. Uh, and it's really important for me to, to, to shout it out and to run it by other people. And sometimes you don't run it by your friends because you think it's so ridiculous or you're so vulnerable if you say out loud what's your biggest limiting belief or fear is it sounds you wouldn't even say it to yourself (laughs) out loud really Uh, but when you are forced in a situation where someone is uh, helping you and asking you those questions that's when the the crazy ideas that you've just been where programs are programmed somewhere in deep, deep in your body right now because you you know you've been carrying them for 30 years or whatever that they come out in those processes so I'm all up for 
uh, doing this sort of work and I will always do it because I'm hooked. Uh, but also I think that it doesn't, you don't have to always pay professional. Like if you have a group of friends and I do that are going to be there for each other. And every time someone is a little bit down, we support ourselves and, you know, and building that group of friends is a, a huge thing because people relate very much on the negativity in the world and they re- relate to the thing, bad things that happen to them. But it's very hard to find friends who relate to the good things as well. And so I think I think they could be your accountability buddies. Not necessarily. You don't have to follow Tony Robbins. You just have to find accountability buddies that are going to be there for you and call you out. Absolutely. And I'm with you on that. And you mentioned having sort of losing friends as you move from country to country Mm. and those relationships deteriorated. Obviously, it's now a key part of what you do and and you've involved a business around your friendship group. How does that serve you now? Yeah, it's it's interesting because I, you know, I am so embedded in the property industry and now we created a community around it, the property sisters. Um, which, um, you know, anybody who's listening, go on YouTube, check us, check us out. Uh, and that is my life, really. Those are my friends. So I think once you are really, you know, you open your heart and you are in that, uh, you, you are showing people also some vulnerability, I guess, uh, and you are just yourself, you build those really strong relationships. Uh, but at, at the same time, as I'm building those relationships, loads of other relationships are suffering and I'm losing them because I'm growing all the time and that's okay. You know, I am happy about that. And if there is a relationship that's not growing with me, that's just natural, you know, a natural cycle of life, kind of that, that is not going to follow uh, and sadly, that happens quite often for um, romantic relationships, you know, when two people don't don't uh, grow at the same pace. And I haven't cracked the code on that one yet. I don't know <laughs> quite how to handle that. Um, but um, uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm really, you know, I, I put a lot of effort into um, being there for my friends and and they're very, yeah, they're very close to me. And they're very, very often property sisters <laughs> or brothers or brothers. Yeah. So work in progress on that one. Awesome. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, it's always work in progress. The The nature of life is reinvention and constant um, yeah, changes. So you're never settled and you're never in a, I mean, in your, on my final leg of the journey because yeah tomorrow something crazy might happen and you're gonna grab another opportunity and and just go for it there goes that word again crazy Uh, and to be fair opportunity I think crazy opportunity might be the title of your podcast (laughs) I love crazy opportunities if anybody has crazy opportunities that they would like to propose to me 100% call me Okay, so that's decided. It's called Crazy Opportunities. (laughs) (laughs) So what's next on the horizon for you, Carolina? So what's next on the agenda is 100% working with the community that we've already created and empowering our community to create those amazing businesses and create the lives they want. And, you know, sometimes you don't want to create a business. Sometimes you just want to create a really beautiful life. Uh, and I think women uh, have a little bit less um, 
a self-belief, self-esteem, and they need that gentle push to succeed in what they want to do. So, yeah, I love running uh, an accountability group. I love uh, seeing ladies just go the next step uh, and achieve what they want to do. So that's 100% of my agenda this year. That's great. So imagine you've got a development and you need to come and speak to you. At what point should a developer speak to you? Uh, as soon as they have a site to discuss. So um, I think it's, uh, you know, quite often they keep it till the last minute, which is too late for us. So, you know, as you're as you're creating that product appointing your contractors, having an idea of what they have, what the contractor has to do is great because then you're not signing a contract for some sort of vision that each of you might yeah, have a different vision in your head. So, yeah, as soon as possible, come to us and have a chat. That's fantastic. And where will they find you? Easiest way is to find us on Instagram, Ademchik, A-D-E-M-C-H-I-C, or follow me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a note to say that you've listened to this podcast uh, and I'll add you to my network. There is so much interesting stuff happening on LinkedIn. I love it. I am hooked. I have my weekly session when I go and review everything. So yeah, definitely add me there, Karolina Adamczyk. That's fantastic. And Karolina, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been really, really fun hearing why you move so much, you know, why you believe <laughs> that people can do whatever they want and and how you, you've turned your sort of, not turn your life around, but how it has, you've had various impacts and the crazy opportunities. I love that. They're brilliant. Crazy opportunities. Whoever is listening, you can 100% turn your life around tomorrow. Yeah, you know, just focus on what you want to do, write that plan and do it. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.